quote, the most exciting subcommittee in Congress this week, unquote. Do you believe that our government is in possession of UAPs? Uh, Absolutely. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Just about 6.12 on this Thursday morning. Eric off today. Mike Spaulding in the house. Mike, when Eric and I were on the air this time yesterday, we were looking ahead to the Hunter Biden hearing where he was supposed to basically put before the judge, here's the deal that we made, everything was going to be fine, but there was noise already at this point that that might be collapsing, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, Vince, absolutely. Things, uh, I I guess you could say, did not go well for Hunter Biden yesterday, at least for the cleanliness of what this process could have been. So just to set the scene a bit, the president's son did appear in a courthouse in Delaware. He was expecting to formally agree to a plea deal that was negotiated last month, it's all with federal prosecutors regarding a number of allegations and alleged crimes. ABC's Justin Finch breaking them down. Biden had agreed to plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax charges. Separately, federal authorities agreed not to prosecute him for the more serious charge of lying about his drug use when he purchased a gun in 2018, as long as Biden remains drug-free for two years. But the judge, appointed by former President Trump, questioned both Biden's legal team and prosecutors about that arrangement. Yeah, the judge in this case, her name, Mary Ellen Norica, she said one of the sticking points for her was whether or not that gun charge deal would give Biden blanket immunity from federal prosecution on other crimes or alleged crimes, I should say, including business dealings in other countries. Prosecutors ended up saying no. Biden's attorneys said they then wanted to pull out the deal. Reporters in the courtroom described a collective gasp when it was announced the deal that Hunter Biden reached to avoid prison time was null and void. After the hearing, Biden changed his plea from guilty to not guilty. And the judge ordered both sides to talk and return in about 30 days, adding, I'm not going to say I'm going to accept the agreement. I'm not going to say I'll deny it. So where do we go from here? Legal experts, including CBS's Scott McFarland, say that despite the judge saying she wasn't squashing the deal yesterday, she wasn't saying no, just putting things on hold. He says it's likely the whole thing ends up heading to trial. This case is now back on a trajectory toward trial. The trial, by the normal pacing of the federal court system, seems destined for 2024 if no new plea agreement is reached, which means you have a Biden and a Trump on a pathway towards trial in 2024. And so the two sides are set, Vince, to be back in court next month. I think one of the keys there, though, is Republicans have been calling for, wait, if, if we go... If this deal is accepted by the judge, this plea deal, does that shut off any ability to look further into the business dealings of the president's son and hence then the president himself, as there are allegations out there? Again, Democrats call them conspiracy theories that have long since been debunked. But regardless, that's where the push is coming from. Is Does this shut off any further investigation of any of that? Yeah, and one of the major talking points from that side of the aisle, Vince, is that if the president gets reelected and perhaps Hunter Biden gets convicted on any of these crimes, there could be an impeachment trial. There could be all these kinds of things down the road. So, yeah, looking eight steps kind of down the road, this there, there is a reason why they kind of want some of this stuff to, to not be squashed, but at least, you know, move forward even in a trial form. Brandon Snide has sports coming up at 615. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. Football season is finally back. The new era in Green Bay kicked off with the start of the Packers training camp on Wednesday. 
Newly appointed starter Jordan Love getting his first shot as the new leader of the team and also getting a message from a former Packer and a four-time MVP. Aaron reached out to me last night, and that's exactly what he said. Yeah, he said, just be yourself, have fun, enjoy it. Um, you know, it's obviously my time now, and he just said, you know, be yourself. And, I mean, that's all you can do. You know, that's kind of been the message from everybody is, you know, be yourself. Don't try to be anybody else. Don't try to be Aaron, things like that. Just be yourself, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do. And speaking of Aaron Rodgers, the league's four-time MVP has signed a reworked contract in which he voluntarily reduced his salary by about $35 million over the next two seasons. Day two of Packers camp continues on today, which will begin later this morning, roughly around 10.30. Over to the Diamond, where Freddie Peralta tossed six scoreless innings and matched a career high with 13 strikeouts. And Tyrone Taylor hit a two-run homer, and the Milwaukee Brewers beat the Cincinnati Reds 3-0 on Wednesday afternoon. Lively kicks and delivers the pitch, and Tyrone a high drive. Left field, Benson back, track, gone! Taylor with a two-run shot, and the Brewers break the ice. It's 2 to nothing, crew here in the seventh. Lane Grin on the call right here on WTMJ. As Taylor knocked in two runs, Andrew Monasterio would add one more later on in the game. The Brewers take the game and the series from the Reds with the victory. The Brewers now lead the NL Central by one and a half games. Next up for Milwaukee, another tough stretch here. Three games set down in Atlanta against the Braves, which will begin on Friday night. And lastly, over to the World Cup, where the U.S. women's national team found themselves down by a goal in the second half Wednesday against the Netherlands until Lindsey Horan decided in the 62nd minute to even things up. And swinging ball, headed down. She did it, Haran! The match would go on to finish at a draw at one apiece, but with the rally in the second half, Team USA and Haran were content with the results. I'm really happy with, with the tie. Obviously, we would, we would love to have three points, but uh, getting that goal and, and the emotions that go with it, it was it was a proud moment. Team USA will have a little time off here. Their next match isn't scheduled until Tuesday, August 1st, against Portugal. Coming up, quote, the most exciting subcommittee in Congress this week, unquote. Six twenty-two, Wisconsin's morning news. Eric off today. Mike Spaulding in the house. The House Committee on Oversight and Accountability Subcommittee hearing on Capitol Hill rolls off the tongue. Yeah, doesn't it? Does not sound like that would have the makeup of some very sexy news this Thursday morning. But if you thought that, you'd be wrong. The subcommittee hearing on unidentified anomalous phenomena or UAPs will come to order. Good morning and welcome to the the most exciting subcommittee in Congress this week. (laughs) The most exciting subcommittee in Congress this week. It's not wrong. No, absolutely not. You recognize the voice? It sounds familiar. That's our guy, Republican Congressman Glenn Grothman of Wisconsin. He chairs this subcommittee that is looking into whether the U.S. government has been concealing its knowledge and engagement, engagement with intelligent life not of this planet. UAPs, what we used to call UFOs. UFOs rolls off the tongue, but maybe it's just what we're used to. But they call them UAPs now, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. I don't like that that much. Nah, why, why couldn't we just stick with UFOs? Ain't broke, Go, you know? Maybe it's because, well, are they technically flying? Okay. Maybe they're just navigating. Yeah, words matter. Words matter. <laughs> so I said yesterday, Mike, when we were going into this, we never learn anything at these hearings. There's ah, some document somewhere that maybe might have shown something and, you know, couple of pictures, some grainy video of something that we can't explain, and then you just get to the end of it, and it's like, nah, all right, what did we learn? Well, you had retired military intelligence officers 
testifying under oath that not only have we been aware of intelligent life elsewhere in the universe since the 1930s, and not only has the Pentagon and dark government forces been concealing that from the world, but that we have interacted with said life, recovered spacecraft, and even used that technology to reverse engineer our own tech. Do you believe that our government is in possession of UAPs? Uh, Absolutely, based on interviewing uh, over 40 witnesses over four years. And, and, And where? I know the exact locations, and, and those locations were provided to the inspector general. Testifying before the committee, former Air Force intelligence officer Major David Gresh, who says he has been retaliated against personally and professionally for trying to bring these matters to light. So you hear members of Congress here asking the questions uh, of the panel, also testifying former U.S. Navy intelligence officer, retired Commander David Fravor. It's Congressman Grothman's question here. Do you believe UAPs pose a potential threat to our national security? Yes, and here's why. The, the technology that we faced was far superior than anything that we had, and you could put that anywhere. If you, if you had one, you captured one, you reverse engineered it, you got it to work, you're talking something that can go into space, go someplace, drop down in a matter of seconds, do whatever it wants, and leave, and there's nothing we can do about it. Do you believe UAPs pose a threat to national security? Yes. Unequivocally, yes. And again, I just want to point out, these aren't some kooks who wrote a book or a screenplay. These are former U.S. military intelligence people. They're testifying before Congress. They are under oath. And you get a yes to that question. Aliens are real. They've been here and they're a threat. More on that from our Air Force guy, uh, Major Grush again. Has any of the activity... um been aggressive, been um, hostile in your reports? Uh, I know of multiple colleagues of mine that got physically injured. And uh, the activity... And I gotta, by, by UAPs or by, by people within the, the federal government? Both. Both! Guys have been hurt. Multiple colleagues physically injured by UAPs. So this investigation only now just starting to kick off much more still to learn. Do you believe that our government is in possession of UAPs? Uh, Absolutely. Citing unlimited WTMJ News Time 636. Brewers off today. They're headed to Atlanta on a high note. Brandon Snide has sports coming up at 645. Can I ask you a question? (laughs) Well... Sure. Would Eric's off today. Mike Spaulding is here. So, 93-year-old Vince Vitrano. It's your birthday. <laughs> Family's around. Grandkids yeah. are abound. What do you want to be doing? Just sitting in a chair watching. Not climbing a mountain? It's not on my list. Well, Ever, much less at 93. <laughs> it now. is for some. To mark his 93rd birthday, retired Professor Everett Kalin wasn't satisfied with cake. Instead, he, along with his son and granddaughter, scaled Northern California's famed Half Dome. I guess I was pleasantly surprised that when I got up there, I did not feel that I was huffing and puffing. Kalen broke up the 13-hour trek over several days. He says he had to top going skydiving, which he did for his 91st birthday. He's still deciding what's on tap for 94. Mark Remillard, ABC News. I mean, great. More power to you if that's what you want to do. I'm just saying. Do you think the kids wanted to do it, though? Yeah, right? <laughs> this, and how do you deny dad, 90 plus, whatever he wants to do, yeah, right? Or grandpa. Yeah, or are, grandpa. Are we going to, I don't know, Angels game or something? Yeah, can't we go to the zoo? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. 638 on Wisconsin's Morning News. You complete WTMJ five-day forecast coming up next. Rejoice.
Every Thursday around this time, we like to celebrate an everyday hero. Presented by Azura Memory Care and Assisted Living. Transitioning the culture of care, Azura Memory Care. We like to celebrate that average John or Jane Doe who had no idea when they got up one morning that they would save a life. Today, we celebrate a man named Jonathan Lewis, a man from Great Britain who was vacationing on the Greek island of Rhodes when wildfires erupted. So what did this father of two do when the fires began to overcome parts of the island? Well, Vince, he spent eight hours rescuing families from the flames, bravely driving his rental car in and out of the danger zone, including this man and his family. We were around 100 meters away from the fire, running down, running down the beach. Luckily, this guy came out saving us. They got an angel. <laughs> an angel. 20,000 people had to be evacuated from the popular tourist area. Lewis said driving into the danger zones was like going into the end of the world. So why'd he do it? Because he claims he's not much of a fan of sunbathing anyway. Everyday Hero, presented by Azura Memory Care and Assisted Living, transforming the culture of care. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. Behind 13 strikeouts from Freddie Peralta and a two-run homer off the bat of Tyrone Taylor, the Milwaukee Brewers beat the Cincinnati Reds on Wednesday afternoon by a final score of 3-0. With the win, the Brewers now leading the NL Central by one and a half games. Next up for Milwaukee, a three-game set down in Atlanta against the Braves, which will begin on Friday. Football is finally back in Green Bay as Jordan Love and company kicked off the start of their training camp on Wednesday in Titletown. Day two of Packers training camp will continue on today starting at 10.30. And lastly, Team USA drew even against the Netherlands on Wednesday to finish the match at a tie at one apiece. Next up for the women's national team is Portugal on August 1st. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. It's finally that time of year again. Summer nights, fireworks, lake days, and, well, of course, football. On Wednesday, the Green Bay Packers finally kicked off the start to their 2023 campaign and did so with Jordan Love taking the reins under center. Despite some ups and downs from number 10 on day one of camp, a former Green Bay Packer took the spotlight once again as Aaron Rodgers agreed to a massive $35 million pay cut with his new team in New York. It's clearly that time of year when Rodgers loves the attention to be shined on him. But as fans who are outraged that the quarterback took $35 million less to play for a different team, I'm curious as to why this comes as a surprise. This is who Rodgers has been and will always be. As great as he is, he is a contentious, grudge-holding, chip-on-the-shoulder guy who will never let certain things go. And if we're being honest here, that's the good version of Rodgers, as we have seen when he won back-to-back MVPs in Titletown following the drafting of his what-would-be replacement. 
If you think this major pay cut isn't motivated behind trying to win in spite of his former team, I'd urge you to think again and think about the player we're all talking about here. This is just the latest version of the grudge towards Green Bay. If you think this is bad, just wait until Hard Knocks decides to release episode one. As a Packers fan, I really could care less what he does in the Big Apple, and I truly mean that. I won't cheer for him. I won't boo him. The only thing I will continue to care about is the number 65. Six fifty one of Wisconsin's morning news. About nine minutes before seven o'clock, and day two of Green Bay Packers training camp and the twenty twenty three campaign kicks off in just a few hours from now. Another one of these practices that is open to the public. ESPN Milwaukee's Jen Lada is there in Green Bay this morning. So, are you spending like several days there, Jen, or what? Uh, no, I'm just going to watch training camp today. Pretty excited. Haven't been to training camp, guys, since I was covering the team for Fox 6. What are you talking like? <laughs> it was a minute ago. Like, 10 years ago, like a decade ago. So I'm super excited. You know, what's great about Green Bay is um, people love working for the organization. So there's a lot of familiar faces. I'm looking forward to seeing a bunch of people from the Packers organization. And look, between you and me, I stayed away because I didn't really like I don't know, one of the large personalities that was associated with the team and didn't really want to be in that space. But it feels like we've turned a page, the dawn of a new era. And so it feels like the uh, gates are wide open to walk through. I want to talk about uh, Jordan Love and expectations for him in a minute, but just some of the um, extracurricular activities that surround training camp. And you mentioned, you know, like you and I are uh, you're younger than me, but back when I started covering training camp in the mid 90s, mid to late 90s, it was a very different thing. I mean, it was literally, we called them railbirds. People would come and they put their hands on the fence and you kind of peer through and kind of get a glimpse of what was happening. And they have turned this into a huge affair that is really a great fan experience if you want to go up and watch. Yeah, and I expect the stands to be full. I heard they had a really good crowd yesterday. Um, And I love that, you know, they still have maintained a lot of the same traditions, right? The guys coming out, riding the bikes across the street. Um, That connection to the community has always been what makes Green Bay special, what makes it unique. Um, And so, yeah, fans can go and you sit in the stands and you can watch. You know, my husband and I were joking about this last night. They have restrictions on the media as far as what they can film, what they can document. But there are no said restrictions on the fans who are just on the other side of the field. (laughs) So if you ever want to uh, go over and, and document some stuff, perhaps in a, in a portion of the practice that you're not supposed to. I always say, just go over to the stands and put on your fan hat for a moment. So on that, too, what – I mean, fans get to see the whole practice, but in these early days, right, it's fairly routine. I mean, you're not going to learn any secrets, right? I don't think you're going to learn any secrets. I mean, one of the things yesterday that jumped out to my husband, Dario Melendez, who is the sports director at Channel 12 in Milwaukee, was that – Uh, Josiah DeGuara was lining up at fullback, you know, and I know a lot of people know that Josiah is a tight end, but he's a little bit of a Swiss Army knife. I don't know if that's something we'll see more regularly on the field or if that was just day one, you know, trying to have a little bit of fun. I think what you can take away, though, is you see chemistry. You'll see the chemistry between 
Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs who work together in the offseason and have for the last few summers. And so maybe that explains why he's a little bit of a click ahead of a Christian Watson when it comes to timing and whatnot with the quarterback. So you'll see that. You'll see how comfortable Jordan Love is under pressure. You'll be able to see if he's able to thread it into tight windows. Now the defense isn't going to be, you know, climbing all over the wide receivers and the pass catchers, but they're going to try to make those windows pretty tight. So I think you will be able to take away some things if you're a fan watching training camp this week. ESPN's Jen Lada is with us this morning. So on Jordan Love, Jen, man, I'm empathetic about the situation that this cat is in because he's coming in after a future Hall of Famer. Everything is on his shoulders. Expectations are naturally high, but he has to balance that. Like he has to know that he's got to go out there and grow. And to do that, you have to make mistakes at the same time. We're all watching every single pass he throws here in training camp. Yeah, and I think it's just understanding that it's a process. You know, it's like when you're teaching your kid how to ride their bike, the first few runs, the first few times up and down the street or in the field, wherever you're doing it, are not going to be pretty. And I think you have to give Jordan Love that grace. Um, But the goal, and he talked about this yesterday, is to make progress, to get a little bit better with every you know, um, every snap, a little bit better with every drive, a little bit better every day and continue to build that chemistry and that rapport and figure out how, you know, where guys like the ball and how they want the ball and things like that. And I think that if you give the quarterback a little bit of grace in that area, I think you'll see progress from day one until he takes his first snaps as the starter this fall. Have you done training camp with the kids? Have you brought them up and let them sit there or ride bikes or do whatever? I haven't. I can hardly get my two girls to sit through an entire movie. We went and saw The Little Mermaid, and maybe we talked about this, but it was way too long. They were like, after an hour, they were just ready to go. So I'm not sure I could get them to sit through. And look, my girls are into sports, like yeah. especially my youngest. She's three. She will absolutely sit on the couch and watch a baseball game with us or watch a basketball game. Uh, we'll see with football when we get to this fall. But um, the five-year-old's a little less interested. I don't think it would be a good uh, exercise for us at this point, but maybe a little bit further down the road. Little on the young side i'll tell you even when mine were young we did take them to family night a couple of times uh, that was like bullseye you know just a little bit of taste of what was happening at lambeau field but a lot of other stuff going on and then on top of that it was like what 10 bucks to get in that, that was definitely a thing if you have not been to lambeau field with your kids and you don't want to spend 300 dollars on a ticket to have them go and fall asleep during the game i definitely recommend family night i mean they were more interested in the fireworks but still there was stuff happening Absolutely. And that's a perfect opportunity. Again, that's something that uh, that the Packers do really, really well. And it's another way that they uh, put the hand out to the community and say, you are a big reason why we are here. So look, I'm excited about Packers season this year, guys. There's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot of intrigue. There's a lot of storylines. And so we will be following it very, very closely, as I'm sure you can imagine. ESPN Milwaukee's Jen Lotta with us this morning. Thanks, Jen. Enjoy the day. See you guys. Thank you.